General George Washington stepped out of his tent. It was extremely cold and the wind was blowing. The demands of leading an army were weighing heavily on him, so he decided to go for a walk around the camp. In his long coat, with his collar turned up so no one could recognize him, he walked through the camp. Washington came across a group of soldiers under the command of a corporal who was out to show that he was in charge. You ever met anyone like that? They were building a tall rampart of logs, and the corporal was kept barking orders. Up with it! Push harder! What's your problem? Trying with all their might to push the final log in place up top, they couldn't do it. Every time the last log would come crashing down, the corporal would shout again, Up with it! Push harder! What's your problem? Once more, they would heave-ho, only to have the big log fall again. Washington finally ran up and pushed with all of his might, and finally the log fell into place. Before the soldiers could thank him, Washington said to the corporal, Why didn't you help your men with the heavy lifting? He said, Don't you see? I'm a corporal. Washington replied, I see. He then opened his coat and revealed his uniform. And he said, I'm the commander-in-chief. The next time you have a log too heavy for your men to lift, call me. It's a good story, isn't it? A great man, our first president, George Washington. A great man who never forgot where he came from and always thought of others first, thought of himself, even as the president, even as the commander-in-chief, thought of himself as a servant first, and then a leader. This morning, it's my hope that we would see an even greater man, a greater man than George Washington, a world-changing man, a great man, who had this same kind of heart. Of course, I'm speaking of the man that we call the Apostle Paul. So turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 1. It's a good place to start. Follow along with me. And remember that this is the inspired, inerrant word of our God. Philippians 1.1, from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a question for you, and you don't need to raise your hand, and you don't need to say the answer out loud. When you read your Bibles, when you read your New Testaments, how do you read the opening lines of the epistles, the letters? And I have a confession. When I'm reading the epistles, when I'm reading through the New Testament, I don't pay them much attention at all. To my shame. 
You know, I, I realize that I'm reading a letter. Maybe you do this too. And I go, okay, well, this is the first two verses, just the opening of the letter. Everybody did this in the first century. I kind of just blow by it. Usually what I get out of it is, especially this beginning, I get, well, I'm Paul, and this is Timothy, and this letter's for you, and hope you have a good day. Season's greetings, happy Hanukkah, just moving on. You know, I read right past it, and I get right into the beginning, and I go, okay, well, where's the meat? Where's the meat of this letter? But you think about what this book actually is. This is a collection of inspired, infallible, inerrant documents, the very words of our God. And these two opening verses, a common greeting in the first century, are as much inspired scripture, as much directly from God, as any other words that we read in our Bibles. And we ask ourselves this question, well, who wrote Philippians? Did Paul write Philippians or did God write Philippians? And of course, you know the answer, yes. God did write Philippians and he used his servant, Paul. He inspired him by his very spirit to write this letter. This morning, before we move on, and I think by way of introduction into this sermon series through the book of Philippians, we need to take just a moment and explore and remind ourselves who is the Apostle Paul. And certainly in the history of our faith and even in the history of the world, this is a great man. That's Apostle Paul, capital A. He is one of only a few hand-selected men, along with our Lord Jesus Christ, who become the very foundation of the building that God is building called His church. And there's only just a hand-few, a few, and they're only hand-selected. And Paul meets all the requirements of being a capital A Apostle. I won't go into what all of the requirements, what all of the credentials were, but two important ones are, in order to be an apostle, you had to have your calling, your commissioning to this office directly from God himself. The second requirement is you had to see Jesus Christ in the flesh Not think about him, not see a vision of him. You had to see him after his death and burial and resurrection. Because this is the foundation of our faith. This is the foundation of the church. And the apostles have to be able to, over 2,000 years and extending on, have to be able to say, I saw the resurrected Christ firsthand. I was there. And God called me to bear witness to this. And the Apostle Paul, if you remember his road to Damascus experience, he meets these requirements. Man, did he see Jesus, knocked him off of his horse, blinded him, and Jesus called him to his ministry. 
But of all the apostles, I mean, the Apostle Paul's resume is like nothing you've ever seen. And just by way of reminder, let me list a few bullet points on Mr. Paul's resume. He is the inspired writer of more New Testament books than any other author. He had what was the equivalent of a Ph.D. in Old Testament, and he studied under one of the greatest names of his time in Old Testament, a man named Gamaliel. He planted numerous churches. He worked many supernatural miracles. God had given him this gift of power. And these are not just like, oh, well, he prayed for somebody and later on they got better. These are real supernatural miracles, raising the dead, instantly healing the sick, casting out demons. By the way, not to, you know, not to go on and on, the Apostle Paul is the greatest missionary the world has ever known. And he is arguably the greatest theological mind, arguably the greatest theologian to ever set foot on this earth. And I think that when we get to heaven, the Apostle John, maybe he'll have something to say about that. But I'm voting for Paul. I mean, you read the letters, you read what this man wrote, And you realize that this was a great man. One last thing. Paul had an oratorical gift. He had a rhetorical ability to persuade people to talk to anyone and be persuasive. Whether you were a lowly beggar and nobody knew your name or you were a head of state, Paul could talk convincingly with power. To you. Do you remember the story when he's in chains and he stands before Agrippa and Festus? And they bring him out for a little sport. Hey, I got this really interesting guy in my jail. You got to hear him. Bring him out. He comes out. He's in chains. By the end of the conversation, do you remember what's going on? Paul has just preached the gospel to everyone in the place. And Agrippa yells out, Paul, you would try to even persuade me to be a Christian. And remember his answer? That's right, Agrippa. I want everybody here to be Christians. I want everybody to know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like me, except for these chains. By any account, this is a great man. And he comes to us this morning by inspiration of the Spirit. He comes to us this morning robed in great God-given power and authority and might. And God gave those to him. But now look at how he begins his letter to this church in Philippi. What does he say? Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. And that's it. Paul... He addresses them, he says, remember me, Paul, the slave, the servant. That's all I am. 
In many of his other letters, he says, well, I'm an apostle by the will of God. And he's usually writing into some really messy situations. There are false prophets. There are false apostles. There is heresy rampant. And Paul writes most of his letters, and he has to deal with this stuff. And he says, remember me. Hey, I'm the apostle Paul. And my authority comes from God, and you need to listen to this letter. And yet, when we come to this particular letter, this is just one of just a couple. There's no mention of his apostolic authority, his position in the church. I think that Paul held this church in a special place in his heart. He and Timothy had helped plant this church ten years earlier. And I think Paul knew he didn't have to show them his apostle badge. He didn't have to credential himself, not to this group. He knew they were going to listen to what he had to say to them because they loved him. And he loved them just as much. When you strip away the real apostolic authority of Paul, and there's no denying it, he has this authority. And he wields it very forcefully when he needs to. But when you strip that away, and Paul's writing to the church that, ah, I just love those guys. They're in my heart. They're holding true. They're not listening to these other gospels, some of these other terrible false preachings. They're not deep into heresy. When he doesn't have to initiate apostolic authority, we get to see kind of behind the outer cloak of who Paul is. We get to see, well, who's the man under there? And you know what we find? We find he's just a humble servant, even a slave. This word is doulos in the Greek. And if we translate it all the time as servant, servant's a good translation, Paul and Timothy, servants. But if we always translate it that way, we lose some of the edginess, some of the hardness of the word. I mean, it really meant slave. Paul says, I'm I'm just a slave to Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in his conversion and in his Christian experience, had learned a lesson. It was humility. And he had learned it very well. Do you remember the disciples during Jesus' ministry? They had a hard time with this one. Do you remember, it seems like as you read through the gospel accounts, every time, just Jesus and the apostle, it seems like they have a moment to themselves. Do you remember what the the will-be apostles, what the disciples are always arguing about? They always have this running conversation, and it pops up more than once. Because they know they're attached to Jesus, and they know he's a great man, and they know that he has to be some kind of king. They don't really understand, but they're always asking each other and then coming to Jesus and asking him, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest out of us when we enter the kingdom that you're going to establish? They're always bickering about this, sometimes to themselves, sometimes in front of Jesus. Jesus, who gets to be vice president? Because I think it should be me. And they bicker, no, I think it should be me. No, you can be Secretary of State. I'm Vice President. Bickering, squabbling. Jesus is always dealing with this. 
And he's always telling them the right answer. What does he say? He says, guys, you don't understand. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, if you want to be great in my church, you have to become like the least. You have to stoop the lowest, Jesus says. And I think, you know, right over their heads. Yeah, okay, that sounds good, but who gets to be vice president? I mean, that's the disciples. But Paul had learned this lesson, and our Lord had taught his disciples. He said the words, but then in the Gospel of John, we find that he teaches them something by example, and it's related to this. Turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, we'll be reading verses 3 through 5 and then skipping down to verse 12. John 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Jesus dresses up like a slave, like a servant, the lowest position in any household. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus doesn't deny his authority. He doesn't say, hey, you guys, it's not false humility. Hey, you guys, you don't have to call me teacher and Lord. He says, no, I am teacher. I'm the leader. I'm even Lord. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The Apostle Paul knew this lesson. He had learned it well. And he writes to Philippi and he writes to us, not from a mansion with Bentleys parked in the garage, in a bank account full of fat stacks of cash, in a position of great affluence and comfort, Paul's in prison again for the sake of the church, for the sake of the gospel. And he writes to us and he just says, I'm just a slave to my master. I don't belong to myself. Someone else bought me. God did. He redeemed my life from the pit. That kind of leadership is very uncommon in our world today, isn't it? I mean, in your worlds, in my world, at your job, in your family, in the circles you run in, it's so rare to find a man to find a giant man, a great man, who never believes that he's a great man. 
And he realizes that everything he has is from God and he's just a servant. Of course, Paul was just acting like his Lord. He was acting like our Lord. He was acting like Jesus, the King. And Jesus doesn't come and teach this lesson to us. And he doesn't come and teach this lesson to Paul. And he doesn't come from way up in heaven and say, Okay, now all you sinful peons... You better serve me. And, and, you know, another good idea is, well, you should probably serve each other too. You know, I want some humility around here. Jesus doesn't do it that way. You think about Jesus' life, and what do you see and what do you hear? His whole life is one big act of nothing but pure servanthood. I mean, just bear with me a moment. Think about the plot line of Jesus' life. Just for a second. The second person of the Godhead who could never need anything, who has all power, who knows everything, who rules everything, who needs nothing, the second person of the Godhead comes down to this earth and takes on human flesh. He he becomes a man. An act of real humiliation. And you look at Jesus do this and you say, wow, he came down. And then you read the plot line of Jesus' life. And what does it look like? It just gets worse. From the world's eyes, his life just gets worse. Not only is he God, he comes down here. And then you read the Gospels and you go, well, this is a story of low to lower. I mean, he comes down here and he's hungry. And thirsty and lonely, he has no property, no house, no great career. He's hated, envied, slandered. He gets into unjust trouble with the law all the time. He's falsely accused, lied about, beaten, scoffed at, made fun of, tortured, scoffed at some more, and then crucified on a Roman cross, dying a death at a very young age. And you go... Oh, well, that's just low. But we know what he was doing. He was serving his father. He was serving us. And he is now by far the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's above all kings, all authorities, all rulers, all powers, every created thing, everything in the entire universe. He's the Lord over it. And yet, when he was here with us, he lived like this. And Paul, when he says, this is Timothy and me, we're just slaves. He's acting just like his Lord. He's in prison, and it's not, get me out of here. And, oh, this is terrible. You see his heart, and you'll see it come out as we move through this letter. It's, what can I do for you guys? With my last breath, you know, I'll just serve you guys. I'm just a slave in the household of my God, and a grateful one. But this is hard. When the rubber meets the road, I mean, it's easy to talk about the great man, Paul, 
and to realize that Paul was an exceptionally humble guy. I mean, and it's not like Paul comes to us and he just says, hey, I'm a slave of Jesus, and it's false humility. I mean, you and I, we do that, right? We say, oh, yeah, we say things, self-deprecating things. Yeah, I'm, I'm nobody. We don't really mean it. We really love ourselves a lot of times. But Paul says, I'm a slave of Jesus, and we see from his life in the holy text of Scripture that he meant that. He wasn't in it for himself. He was just in it to serve his Lord. He had encountered a grace that was so big and so amazing. We sung about it this morning. that he said, oh, I'll just serve my Lord. I'll just be a slave in the house of my God, a servant. And I'll pour my whole life out for his church, his bride. Paul put those words into actions. But where does this find us? That's my question. Where does it find me? Not just you, me. What position has God called you to in this church? What role, what title, what appearance do you have? Has he called you to be an elder? Has he called you to be an usher? Has he called you to be the head pastor? Has he called you to be an assistant pastor on staff? Has he called you to greet people when they come in the door? Has he called you to serve food, to play an instrument, to sing praises to our God? Has he called you to serve coffee? Has he called you to watch the sugared up three and four year olds? You know, we laugh. Man, am I grateful for those people. Has he called you to watch the the three- and four-year-olds so that their parents can go be ministered to? They can be fed, they can be nourished, they can plug in to the community of faith. Whatever it is, wherever you fall out and where God has plugged you into this church, and I include myself, you know what God's called us to be? None of us, I guarantee you, are even a tenth of the man or woman that the Apostle Paul was. If Paul can say, I'm just a servant to my God, just a slave. Don't you think we should have the same attitude? You know, what do you see when you peel back the appearance, the outward cloak of who you are? I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I look inside, I'm not so pleased. I could use a big dose of this perspective, of this humility. And it really hits home when you start applying this to your whole life. Husbands, do you serve her with this humble heart? Wives, do you serve him with the same heart? heart of Paul, the heart of Christ. Parents, do you serve the kids with this lowly attitude? Church, do you serve each other from a position of heartfelt lowliness? That's our calling. If the Apostle Paul can be that humble, if Jesus can be even more humble, What kind of people should we be? 
Paul says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. If you're a saint in Christ Jesus, you'll see in this letter, everything happens through Christ. In Christ, by Christ, for Christ, it's all about Him. If you're a saint in Christ Jesus, if you've simply put your faith in Him as Lord and Master and Savior and God, Whoever you are in the church, Paul says, with the overseers and deacons. In other words, nobody here is exempt. Not Pastor Mark, not any of us. Whatever your position is in this church, whatever it is, maybe highly visible, maybe nobody knows about your ministry, maybe you're called to pray in your closet. Whatever the position is, Paul has something wonderful to tell us. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, unmerited, undeserved favor to you, to me. And you notice who the favor and the peace are from. This is not favor and peace to you from the pastoral staff at FAC, from the Board of Elders. This isn't even grace and peace to you from the Apostle Paul. You know who it's coming to you from? God the Father Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ, are. Paul is not saying to the church in Philippi, hope you're doing well. He's saying to them, and he's saying to us, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, unmerited favor, grace, and peace to you. I love the title of this sermon series, Whatever Happens. FAC, whatever happens, know this. If you're trusting Christ as Lord and Master and Savior, if you're united to Him by faith, if you're a part of His church, a part of His body, a part of His bride, not because you deserve it, but just because you've believed on His Son, I have the privilege to tell you, whatever happens, whatever's going on, grace and peace to you from Him.